We are grateful to see you here this morning. Go ahead and get your Bibles to Matthew chapter number 14. Matthew chapter 14. Can you give me a little more uh, uh, monitor? Uh, Matthew chapter 14. We're going to be getting a new series this morning called, Frank, go ahead and leave those open. We want them open so people don't touch them. Uh, we're starting a new series this morning called Forward Through Faith. And we've all had times, we've all been excited at different times in our lives to start something. And then over time, we our excitement fades and we, we just quit doing what we were so ready to start. Uh, I did a recent Google search and found the top things that people start but never finish. And uh, here they are. Uh, a gym routine. People, especially the first of the year, they get excited about going to the gym. They get online. They maybe go to a trainer. They get this gym routine set up. And, man, they're excited to do it. And then after a while, they just they quit doing it. Uh, now, right now you have an excuse because the gym is closed, but the gym will open again and we'll probably start a routine and then give up on it. Uh, the second thing is, of course, a diet. Uh, people start a diet and it works for a while and then either it stops working or you realize that, you know, ice cream is, is good for you and so you quit your diet. Uh, you realize you're all, all going to die one day, might as well die happy, right? And so you just, you quit the routine. Uh, you quit the diet. The third thing is college. A lot of people start college and never finish college. Sometimes they drop out for whatever reason or just quit or, but college. Another one is running a marathon. I don't understand people who, who run marathons. Uh, what is chasing you for 23 miles that you can't get rid of? We were never intended to run that long. You know, the Bible says a wicked man run when no man pursues him. So but people start a marathon and give up. And actually, when I was studying this, I found out people gave up at you know gave up during a marathon at mile 18. That was the most common mile for people to quit. I don't know what it is about mile 18. Uh, I quit at like mile 2.25. Uh, I, I quit when I get to the hot dog stand is when I quit. But you know, running a marathon. Another one is cleaning a messy room. Now I know your kids have a problem with this. How many of y'all have told your kids 1,500 times to clean their room and it's still not clean? I know my kids do that all the time. Their room right now is not clean, but I told them to clean the room. And I'm not home. I told them to clean the room before I left, and I can guarantee you it's not clean. I just, I know my kids. They'll start it, and then they'll give up on it. Uh, the next thing is New Year's resolutions, which a lot of these are probably New Year's resolutions, being more organized, being on a diet, having a routine, running a marathon, but people quit New Year's resolutions. Uh, the next one is reading a book. People want to read more, and they start a book, and then they give up on the book. Uh, the next one is a movie marathon. Actually, Marvel movies and Lord of the Rings are the most started marathons that people don't finish. Because you realize to finish those, you have to dedicate, well, you, a quarantine, you know, three months of quarantine, you could have had it done. But you have to dedicate a large portion of your life to get that done. Uh, the next thing people start and don't finish is saving money. People have an idea to save money, they start it, and they give up on it. And the final thing that people start and never finish is writing a book. People want to start a book, and they start writing a book, and maybe they realize that they're not any good at it, so they give up on it. But for whatever reason, these are the top ten things people start but don't finish. And I'm sure there's some things that I didn't list that you have begun 
and been excited about and then give it up on very quickly. Uh, we experience this in our, in our spiritual life as well. As believers, we get convicted by God to do something for Him, and then for some reason, we, we lose interest and we, we give up and don't finish what God has laid on our, our heart for us to start. Uh, maybe it's reading your Bible through in a year. A lot of people, especially at the beginning of the year, they, they have the, the plan, the goal to read their Bible through in a year, and they start strong because Genesis and Exodus are very exciting books. There's a lot of action going on. You're meeting a lot of characters, and it's just, it's a really good time. But then you hit Leviticus, and you're like, why did I do this? Why did I start this? And so you, you give up. Oh, and maybe it's memorizing more scripture. You decide, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to memorize more scripture uh, in my life. And so you, you, you have a plan. You have the note cards to write them out. And you get excited about it. You maybe go two or three weeks memorizing scripture. But after a while, you just you start to forget. You just, you're not excited about it anymore. You've memorized a lot of scripture and it's not helped you any. So you quit and give up what you had started. Maybe it's conquering that destructive sin you've been battling with for years. This is the time you're finally going to get right with God. You've been convicted. You're going to confess that sin. You're going to forsake that sin. And you're going to conquer it once and for all. And man, you are excited to do it. You get, you get accountability partners. You get scripture. You start praying. But then that sin just creeps right back in. And you quit quitting that sin. Maybe it's to be more generous and faithful in your tithes and offerings. Maybe it's to be more faithful to the house of God. Maybe it's to do devotions and to pray daily. Whatever it is, we've all had in our, our personal life and in our spiritual life goals that we have had. Things that have been laid on our heart that we have been excited to start. We've been ready to start. And then we start like gangbusters. But after a while, we give up and stop doing it. And the problem isn't that we don't have the faith to finish what we started is we don't have the right kind of faith. We have starting faith. We have faith to start what God has laid on our heart, but we need staying faith. See, it's not just making a decision that counts for God. It is seeing it through. And after two months of quarantine, we are finally beginning to get a little bit of freedom and our life is beginning to come to some semblance of, of normalcy again. And a lot of us during this time have made commitments to God with our spiritual life about what we're going to do when the quarantine's over. God, when this is over, I'm going to be more faithful to your house. I'm going to read your word more faithfully like I've been doing. I'm going I'm to go out visiting with the church. And I'm going to knock doors. And I'm going to be a better soul winner. And I'm going to do this and that. And we've, we've made these commitments to God during the quarantine. I know I have. I made commitments for myself and I make commitments to God for our church that things that I believe God wants us to do as a church and, and, and starting is easy. Starting out is fun because we're excited. You know, right now we're coming out of this and this is an exciting time. We've, we've, we've of course redesigned everything and people are excited about what we're going to be, what we're doing with the platform and the outreach plan we're going to do. And when we finally get to phase two and the, the growth group are starting and man, it's an exciting time. And it's a time where people are, are just ready to, to get on board and do what God wants them to do and serve God. But after a while, 
we're going to get cold, tired of it. We're going to grow cold to it. You say, how do you know, preacher? Because I've seen it happen over and over and over and over again. In my life, in your life, in the church. I just, I've seen it happen. I know, I know the cycle. We start strong. We start excited. But then after a while, it's not as exciting anymore. It's too much work. So for whatever reason, we stopped doing what we had started out to do. We were excited to do. We, life eventually turns to normal and we, we begin to falter well, what we started and it fades away. Now that's, that's the bad news. But there is good news. And the good news is that we are not alone in this problem. Even the apostles who walked with Jesus while he was on the earth faltered in their faith. They started out strong, but they would stumble or give up or struggle. In Matthew chapter 14, we, we have a famous story about a disciple that often faltered in his faith, and that's the apostle Peter. How many of y'all, Peter is your favorite apostle? He's mine. Peter's my favorite apostle. Not a lot of y'all. I don't know why you should be, because you're a lot like him. You're a lot like Peter. You know, we always say, I, I want to be like Paul. Paul was a super Christian. Peter... Peter's your everyday Christian. Peter had some really high highs where he was just on top of it. And he's, he's you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And, you know, he's, he's doing great one day. And then like two verses later, Jesus looking at him saying, get behind me, Satan, you're an idiot. Peter was just up and down and up and down. And I really like Peter because he, he is someone I can relate to. I see a lot of myself in him. He is big on promises, but he falls short in execution. A lot of times his, his goals are higher than what he actually accomplishes. And an interesting thing about Peter is Peter is not his name. Peter was a name Jesus gave him. It was a nickname, the rock. So Peter was the rock of the group. His name was Simon. Simon means he hears or flat-nosed. I'm not sure which one most applies to Peter. Maybe he had a flat nose. I don't know. But his name was Simon, but Jesus called him Peter, which means rock or stone. And when you, when you look at Peter, you can really see two people in the same body struggling for control. You know, these two people, they're, they're at odds with each other, and they're constantly fighting. Peter wins sometimes. Simon wins other times. I mean, like the, the, what we were just talking about when they're walking and Jesus says, who do men say you are and say I am? And they're like, oh, some say Elijah and all this. And he goes, well, who do you say I am? And Peter steps up and says, you're the son of the living God. You're the Messiah. That's Peter. And then Jesus says, well, I got to go and be crucified. And Simon says, no, 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 Lord, we won't do that. And he rebukes God. And that's when Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. So Peter got it right. Simon ruined it. Remember the night of the crucifixion? He says, you're all going to be scattered. And Peter says, God, I will never leave you. I will never deny you. And Jesus says, you're going to deny me three times before the cock grows. No, 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 Jesus. I will stand with you always. I will die with you. That's Peter. And Simon is the one going, I don't know who that guy is. I don't know. And then he cusses to get his point across. That's Simon. In Acts 2, 
Peter is the first apostle to declare openly and publicly that the gospel is meant for the Gentiles too. That's Peter standing up for God. Then later in Acts, he's scared to even eat with the Gentiles because he's afraid what the Jews are going to say. That's Simon. He had these two distinct personalities. And this morning, we're going to look at a story that shows us both sides of this man. The, the passionate Peter and the weak Simon. As the disciples, this, the, the disciples in this story, they're, they're in a storm. And Jesus is walking by and Peter calls out, Jesus, bid me come out to you. That's Peter. But then he gets out there and starts to sink. That's Simon. Peter has two sides to him. A faith side and a fear side. And we all have those two sides in us. The faith side that gets excited about doing something for God. And the fear side that creeps in and tells us, you probably can't do it anyway or it's not going to make a difference. So why even try? You know, in the mid-80s, McDonald's introduced a burger called the McDLT. Anyone remember the McDLT? You had the hot side hot and the cool side cool. Some of the stupidest commercials you've ever seen with Jason Alexander. But they, they had this, this burger that came in a styrofoam box that had two different sides. And you had the, the hot side for the, the bun and the hot patty. And then you had the cool side for the cool bun and the lettuce, tomato, and mayonnaise. And it was to keep the hot side hot and the cold side cool. That's what most of us are. You know, people talk about, oh, Christians are lukewarm. I don't believe most of us struggle with lukewarmness. I believe most of us were either hot or cold. We're, we're not in between. We're either excited for what God's going to do and we're on fire, ready to serve God, and ready to charge the gates of hell with a squirt gun, or we're, we're cold to God and don't see the point in doing anything. We're either hot side hot or the cool side cool. We're not lukewarm. That's, that's what Peter is. Peter had his hot side and his cool side. He wasn't lukewarm. In this passage that we're going to look at this morning, Jesus has just finished feeding 5,000 people, 5,000 people plus, with just a, a few loaves of bread and a couple pieces of fish. Peter was a big part of this. He was serving the people with these little pieces of bread and just kept seeing it multiply in his hand. And he was the one that helped go around and he, he got you know, 12 baskets full of leftovers. He, he has seen a great miracle of God. And after they fed the 5,000, Jesus sends the disciples away. So look at your Bibles in Matthew chapter 14, starting verse number 22. The Bible says, in straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. So after this, this incredible event, Jesus... He pulls apart by himself, and he, he sends his apostles, his, his followers, his, his great the men that are helping him change the world. He sends them on a boat across the sea right into a storm. And Jesus knew the storm was there. He knew what they were going to face. 
He knew what they were going to have to endure. You know, the, the, the story was a surprise to the apostles, but not to Jesus. You know, you've ever heard the saying, the safest place to be is right in the center of the will of God? You ever heard that? That's true. But sometimes the will of God is a storm. Sometimes the place God sends you doesn't seem very safe. But people tend to confuse that wherever God sends you will be safe and easy. But that's not true. Look at, look at Jim Elliott. The center of God's will for him was Ecuador. And the minute he got to where God wanted him to be, he was killed by the natives he was going to reach. Should he not have gone? No, that was God's will for his life. Why? Because years later, his wife was able to go back and win that tribe that killed her husband to the Lord. The will of God is not always easy. It's not always what we consider Safe. The apostles obeyed a direct command from God and ended up in the middle of a storm that was so severe they thought it would kill them. Storms do not mean that you are out of God's will. Sometimes storms are part of God's will for you because when you're in the will of God, you're not just there for you. You're there for him, and he is doing something in you. In Acts chapter 20, Paul said this. He said, And now I behold, I go bound in the Spirit into Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. See, Paul understood that the trials he was going to face while serving God, going out on missionary journeys, where he's beaten, he's shipwrecked, he's, he's stoned, he's got all these issues. He understood that that was all part of God's will for his life. He understood that the trials were part of God's will for him. When you make a decision in faith and it gets hard, don't be surprised. That is part of his will. Why? Because you have an enemy that's going to fight you. Anytime you decide to step out and do something for God, the enemy is going to fight you immediately to get you to quit. But you also have a, a God who is doing a work in your, in your life. He is trying to, to deepen your faith. And so the biggest thing that God is teaching you in your life and in your faith journey with Him is to trust Him. So the steps of faith that God wants us to take, they lead us through difficulty, not around it. Now Isaiah chapter 43 says, When thou pass through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When you walk through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. See, we want God to take us around the waters. We want God to build a bridge over the water so we can go over it. But God takes us directly through the waters. Why? Because in the water, we find out that His grace is deeper than the waters that we're in. When we're in the fire, we, we understand that His power and His presence is stronger than the fire. Faith leads you through difficulty, not around it. But keep looking at verse number 14. Look at verse 25. <clears throat> It says, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, 
they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out in fear. But straightway Jesus spoke unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. We, Jesus didn't come to the disciples right away. He, the Bible says he came in the fourth watch. It's about 4 a.m. That means the disciples had been battling this storm for six hours before Jesus shows up. Now, he did show up, but it took six hours for him to get there. He let them battle the storm before he shows up. And then when he does show up, he doesn't run right to them. He strolls past them at a distance. They can, they can see him and hear him, but he doesn't come right up to them. In fact, in Mark chapter 6, when we, they tell the same story, the Bible says that Jesus was walking to go to the other shore. He wasn't going to go to He was going to walk right past them. He was just going to stroll on past them to the other shore. It's like he was going, hey guys, good luck. See when you get there. He had no intention of going to them. But what happened? They cried out. They cry out to him. God is there to help you in your struggles, but he wants you to cry out to him. And look, when they cried out, they didn't cry out in faith. They cried out in fear. They thought it was a ghost, not God. So they cry out in fear because they're scared. They cried out with bad faith, but Jesus still answers them. God is a compassionate father, and he responds to his children whenever they call when they need him. Psalms 50, 15 says, And call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. So, you know, sometimes we think when we're in trouble, we got to have this, this perfectly eloquent, theologically correct prayer to go to God and beseech him. And look, I've even heard preachers uh, say you, you need to go to God with Scripture to back up what you're asking for and tell God you said that you have to do it. God says, just cry out to me. Just cry out and I'll, I'll be there to help you. But look, keep looking at verse number 28. It says, And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Now, what's interesting about this is they're, they're in the storm. The, the ship's being tossed around. They think you're going to die. They see this spirit. They think it's a ghost. They cry out. Jesus says, hey, don't be scared. It's me. I'm coming to help you. And, and Peter doesn't ask God to fix the problem. He doesn't ask God to, to make the storm go away. He asks God what he wants him to do. He asked God what his command is. The word bid there means command. So Peter says, Jesus, if that's you, tell me what you want me to do. You know, we need to stop demanding that God does what we want him to do and start listening to what God wants us to do. But keep reading verse 30. But when he saw that the when he saw the wind boisterous and he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and saith unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? So Simon Peter steps out of the boat. He says, God, 
If it's you, tell me what to do. And Jesus says, come on out here. And so Peter, in faith, steps out of the boat. He starts walking on water. He's getting near Jesus. And then Simon starts looking around. And Simon sees the storm. And Simon begins to get afraid. And so he begins to seek and he sink and he calls out to Jesus and Jesus is right there to save him. Why is this story in the Bible? Is it to inspire us to have faith to walk on water? That if I have enough faith, I can step out and I won't fall? Y'all want to see if I can do it? Uh, I can't. I tried this week, it didn't work. Is it to give us faith to, to walk on water? No, because when, remember in Acts, Paul, who's also a great apostle, he's shipwrecked, he's in a ship that's sinking, and never once did he say, I should just walk to the shore. He had to grab a paddle and swim. So I don't think God's teaching us that we can walk on water. This story is to show us how to finish with faith what we began in faith because that is one of the biggest problems we face. We have faith to start. We have faith to, to get going. We've got zeal and passion to start, but then when it gets hard, we, we give up on what God's taught us. So how do these verses teach us to finish in faith. Two things here. First of all, starting faith isn't enough. Starting faith is great. We need faith to begin something for God, but we also need finishing faith. The faith that will help us get through the storms that we are going to face when we step out to do something for God. Look at what Jesus says to Peter after he pulls him up from the water. He goes, Oh, thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? He wasn't talking about the intensity of Peter's faith. Peter had enough faith to step out on the water. He was talking about the duration of Peter's faith. He had great faith. It just didn't last very long. Peter still had faith to get out of the boat and walk on the water. It just didn't stick around when he remembered the storms. His faith was strong, but it didn't last. And we, every one of us, we struggle with that in our walk with God. We hear a sermon. We read some scripture. We have something happen and get us on fire for God and say, God, I'm going to do this this time, this time. This time I'm going to be faithful to read my Bible every day. This time I'm going to be faithful to go to church. This time I'm going to have the faith to, to step out and help start a class at church. God, this is the time I'm going to do it. And then we start strong. But then things get hard. Things get scary. We begin to doubt. So we give up. Whether it's reading our Bible more, praying more, giving more. Stepping out to serve Him. We, we step out on faith to start a growth group and it, it doesn't go like we thought it should. It's not as big as we hoped it would be. And so our faith begins to fade and we, we give up. Starting faith is great, but it's not enough. We need finishing faith. So where do we get that? Number two, starting faith and finishing faith come from the same source. Peter's starting faith came from two places, and the faith that he needed to finish would have come from the same two places. So what are those places? Well, the first place it comes from is a vision of Jesus. Look at verse 27 again. It says, But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, 
be not afraid. Now that, that phrase there, it is I, is the Greek phrase ego emi. And it literally means I am. It's the name of God. So they're, they're walking across, the, they're struggling, and Jesus is walking across the ocean, and they get scared, and he goes, hey, don't be, don't be scared. I am is here. The great I am is right where they, where they needed to be. So Peter, he looked out at the storm, he looked out at the waves, and everything that was terrifying him, and instead of seeing the trouble, he saw the great I am. He saw the power of God. He saw the provision of God. He saw the promises of God. And he knew, no matter how bad this storm is, God is right where I need him to be. He saw that Jesus was greater than his fear, greater than his problems, and greater than his storm. And that is where starting faith comes from. We see God as God. We see him sovereign and mighty and loving and powerful. And we have a vision of God and it encourages us and gives us faith to step out and start something great for God. But we get finishing faith from the same place. By seeing him work in our storms. By seeing him take us through the waters and take us through the fires and bring us out safe on the other side, continuing to serve him. So we get our starting faith by getting a vision of God. But we need finishing faith. We get it from the same place. We need a correct vision of God. But not only did he get his faith from a vision of God, he also got it from a command of Jesus. A vision of Jesus and a command of Jesus. Look at verse number 28 again. <clears throat> and Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. See, Peter, he sees Jesus and he asks what his command is. And Jesus commands him to come out on the water. Peter didn't say, well, God, I've, you know, I, I can't walk on water. We've not developed that technology yet. Or, God, the, the storm's a little, little big here. Or, I can't swim. Or, I'm scared of water. He didn't question. He just obeyed. He stepped out of the faith and obeyed the command of Jesus. The storm was still raging. The waves were still contrary to them. The danger was still there. But he got a command. And he realized that it's more important to obey Jesus than to focus on the problems that he was facing. The great I am on top of those waves was telling him to step out. And that great I am was larger than the waves he was stepping out onto. He didn't focus on what he had to walk through, but he was focused on who he was walking to. And that's where our starting and finishing faith comes from. When God commands you to give faithfully to his church, it seems exciting until the bills begin to come in or something breaks and suddenly you need all that money for yourself. But we need to look at the one we are walking to and realize he is taking us through the storm for our good to grow our faith. When we step out to be faithful in our Bible reading and prayer, man, we get excited. We find a great Bible study. We go out and buy notebooks and pens and pencils. And we're just, we're ready to, to serve God. We're ready to get this Bible study co conquered. But then it's, 
It's not as exciting anymore. It's not what we thought it would be. Maybe uh, we're too tired and our works get piles up and all of a sudden we're, we're needing more sleep, we think, to, so we can't do it in the mornings and then we get home late and so something comes up and we, we give up. We need to look not at what we're trying to walk through, but look to who we are walking to. See, Peter is not walking on water. He's walking on faith. He's walking on the promises of God. He is standing on the character of Jesus. And it's when he took his eyes off of those things that he began to sink in the water. Focus on the word and you'll walk on water. Focus on the waves and you'll wallow in weakness. You know, this point of this story is not to talk about the greatness or the weakness of Peter. <laughs> the point of this story is to talk about the grace of God. In the book of Mark, we see the, the same story that's told here being told in the book of Mark, but when you, when you study the scriptures, you realize Mark was Peter's traveling companion. He was the one who was walking with Peter and, and, and spending time with Peter. And he was the one who was writing what Peter was telling him about his time with Jesus. So this story in Mark is coming directly from the voice, the mouth of Peter himself. So why did Peter leave out this story? Now, I know the obvious answer is God told him to. That's, that's a great, that's the obvious theological answer. But why did Peter leave it out? Was he ashamed of his lack of faith? I believe he left it out because the story is not about Peter's faith. It's about Jesus's faithfulness. And that's what Peter wanted us to focus on. He wanted us to know that Jesus is always close. He wanted us to know that we can always call out to him even in fear and he will help us. Our God is a God that will always catch us, will always lift us up out of the waves. When your faith begins to waver, you start strong, you're excited for what God's going to do, but your faith starts to waver, put your eyes back on Him. See, this story doesn't give us an example to follow. It shows us a Savior to trust. And we see this clearly on the cross. You know, at the cross, Jesus, he didn't come to take us through the storm. He came to take the full wrath of the storm. The full wrath of God's anger and judgment for sin were poured out on him on the cross. The, and that was wrath and anger that we deserved. That was punishment we deserved. But he took it for us. He lived a perfect life because we never could. He died in our place because our death wasn't sufficient. We needed a perfect sacrifice. So he hung on the cross and God placed my sin and your sin on him. And God punished sin of the world once and for all and poured his wrath out on Jesus. And Jesus died for us. But he didn't stay dead. 
He rose three days later proving that he was God, proving he had done what he said he came to do, and proving that for, for once and for all, we could have access to God the Father. He reached out to us when we were his enemy. He reached out to us when we didn't even know we were in danger. You know, Peter, he learned his lesson and he grew with he grew his finishing faith. Look at what he says in 1 Peter chapter 6. It says, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith be much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found as a praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Starting faith is great. And most of us now, we've got some things we want to start and things we want to do and some exciting pro projects we want to get going. Starting faith is great. But we need finishing faith. And that came, comes from the same place you got your starting faith. Seeing and obeying Jesus. When your faith begins to fade, put your eyes and your ears back on him. You believed he was trustworthy at the beginning. He'll be trustworthy all the way through. You obeyed his command to step out in faith. And so when things get hard, continue to trust him and obey him. Just take another step. What step is God asking you to take this morning? Is it a first step of faith to do something for his kingdom? Is it a step of faith to be more faithful to his house or faithful to his word or maybe God's calling you to step out and start a ministry or, or start witnessing more. Whatever it is, what is God asking you to step out? Is it the next step because your faith has begun to fade or maybe it's the first step of salvation where God's asking you to step out and trust him as your savior. Whatever God's asking you to do this morning, step out and obey him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you so much for the opportunity to come together and to worship you. To open your word and to see this incredible story of faith, God. Lord, who Peter, a guy a lot like us, who had big goals and big dreams and big aspirations. But Lord, he struggled a lot of times finishing up. God, help us to have the faith that he had to step out on the water. But help us to continue to walk on water obeying you and keeping our eyes on you with every head bowed and every eye closed let's all stand together this morning if the holy spirit spoke to your heart maybe he spoke to your heart about salvation and you need to come forward and ask god to save you because you understand that you're you're lost and condemned to hell and you want to accept christ or save if that's you this morning come forward and we can take care of that whatever the holy spirit laid on your heart whatever step god wants you to take take it this morning